Yes, yes, yes. Pretty exciting. And uh, just like Dill said, let's invite our friends. It's an opportunity for us to, I think Vision reminds us that we get, it comes, we come into alignment with what God's saying, and then He gives us access to so much more. Access for your life, your business, your family. Because it's not just what happens here on a Sunday, but what happens during the week and the influence we have in a community. Because as a church, we're called to give light into darkness, hope where there's despair, comfort where it feels like people are reeling. And I feel like this year is going to be one of those years where we get to. Because the gospel was never about us just sitting back, hoping we get a comfy chair on a Sunday. It was much more than that. And I think that God, when he puts his spirit inside you, guess what's going to happen? You're going to move. You're going to move. And so I love that thought. And I think, I think in essence, that's what God's reminding us. In fact, through this series called The Infinite Game. And uh, I think that thought, and I love that, is that what if we live life like there was no finish line? Uh, which is to imply that, in essence, that you and I were born for eternity. Now, I, don't, I know like you might not feel like it, but God says in his word that he's placed eternity in our hearts. It's already there. We're just not aware of it, maybe. And I think uh, eternity has a lot of associations, and uh, it feels like your school career goes on for eternity. It feels like the job you're in right now might go on for eternity. It feels like your, ma- no, we won't talk about that, but we, it feels like whatever, you know, you, living in Belito might go on for eternity. I don't know, but you see, I think God, I think maybe the frustrations we have around eternity are because of some of the misconceptions we have on eternity. I, I don't know, you've ever been frustrated because it's like whenever you hear of heaven, you know, you think of clouds and hops. And to be honest, no human being wants to go where there are clouds and hops. We, we want to be, we're just hoping there's going to be a golf course in heaven, am I right? We, we, we're, hoping, we're hoping there's going to be a salt rock beach in heaven. And the good news of the gospel is that we're going to go to heaven, but we're coming back here on this new earth. A new heaven and a new earth, salt rock beach on steroids. Unbelievable. And I think the world thinks that, oh, I, I don't blame people that feel like they don't want to go there because it's like their conception around us is they've been told since young through Sunday school, through all your experiences, no heaven, we just play in the clouds and hope for the best. But what if we're going to work in heaven? Work became before the fall. What if we're going to see our loved ones again in heaven? We're going to be in an earth where there's no more crying, peace, righteousness, hope, all those things that are associated with our Father. And whether we like it or not, I like how John Ortberg said, what if eternity is already in play? What if we're not waiting one day you see, because the challenge with the finite thinking, infinite thinking is like, you know, we're going to infinite, we're going to live forever, we're going to live forever. But it's the challenge is that we can't put it into our human brains and hearts and comprehend it. And so I think often, I don't know about you, but I get destination disease. You know that thing, it's like when I finish my, my degree, when I get that job, when I move over there, it's like I'm always waiting for that place over there. But what if the infinite life was less about a destination, but more about a preparation? What if it was, you see, because when we look at the grace of God, we're saying, God, I need your grace in my life to take me out of my circumstance or stop my circumstance. But what if it was more about God getting in our lives and helping us through our circumstance and building our character? It's less about destination. It's more about preparation. And I, and I, I feel like the infinite life is that invitation that we know where we're going. And because we know where we're going, we live fully here on earth present and powerful in our Mondays, our Tuesdays, our Wednesdays, making a difference where we can. It might feel like normal life. You know that, have you just gone back to school? Making lunch boxes for school, any parents there? You know, driving to school 
All those things, they feel like they're normal, but God gets in our normal. That's the good news of the gospel. He gets around our tables. He gets on the sports field. He's in that business room. He's in that boardroom. God is everywhere. And if he's everywhere, maybe, just maybe, we should stop looking for a destination. I hope I get to heaven, but realize heaven's already in our hearts. What a beautiful story. Thanks so much for coming. That's the end of the sermon. <laughs> you see, I think we could just end there. You know, it reminds me of a story of an elderly couple. They, they, um, they lived to an old age, married for 50-odd years, and uh, they died at the age of 89, 90, but within days of each other. And they arrive at the pearly gates there. St. Peter's there. He says, come through. I want to show you your house in heaven. And they walk through, and they got new bodies now, so they got a spring, you know. <laughs> the husband looks at his wife, you, you were beautiful in 30, 33. And, and so, and, and they, they walk through, and then he shows them this, and they walk into this mansion, like many rooms, like, and then they walk into, they check out a thing, and then they walk into the kitchen, the wife's like, oh my gosh, I've never seen a kitchen like this. Turns to Peter, says, can we use this? He says, use it every day, this is yours. With that, the husband's getting excited, because he can see the veranda and the bra area, you know. And he walks out like a true South African, checks the bra out. He's like, Matt's amazing. Walks up onto the garden like this. And then in front of the garden is this beautiful golf course. Husband looks at Peter and says, can I play golf? Play golf course. He says, you can play golf there anytime you want. And Peter stops for a moment. He says, let me tell you something. This golf course that you see in front of you changes every day. In other words, you can play 365 new golf courses every year. With that, the husband takes his hat off puts on the ground, stomps it, I guess, turns to his wife and says, if it wasn't for your keto diet, we'd have been here 20 years ago. <laughs> if it wasn't for your kombucha tea, we'd have been here 20 years ago. If it wasn't for your brand muffins, we would have been here 20 years ago. And I think, you know, the reality is we, there's this longing, but you know, what if, you know, uh, heaven is not just a place um, where we long for because it's beautiful, but heaven's a place because we long for because God's there. You see, we, we, we like the thought of getting there because it's nice and we see him. But I think the most important thing is that we'll see him there. The ancient of days, our good father. The angels worship him. Can you imagine coming face to face with our heavenly father? Isn't that beautiful? You know, he says, Jesus says, we're coming back to this earth. Make it new. Jesus comes back. He gets it all ready. And his last words are this. Now come down, father. It's ready for you. What a day. And guess what? You and I are going to see it. Do you see it? Our eternal life is out there, but we can live it now. It gives us purpose now, doesn't it? And so I love this infinite life because it's reminded ourselves of the tensions in our lives. One, we, we're very mortal, but we have an immortal future. One, we're very here and the now, but yet we will live forever. And Paul, when he addresses a letter, and I like how Eugene Peterson said, and maybe I'll address you today. He, 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 he writes it to three kinds of people. He writes it to the saints, to the believers, to the skeptics, and to the sleepwalkers. I love that. To the saints, to the, to the saints that are here today. And maybe you, God's on your side and you've had a good start to the year. Hallelujah. Praise Him when you can. Maybe for a skeptic, you've arrived, you're new to church. You've, someone invited you. It's hot outside. You're just grateful the aircon's on inside. And you're going, look, I'm not quite sure. I want to tell you, just be patient because God will speak to you. And then to the sleepwalkers. You know, you're in the room, but you're not really here. You're thinking about tomorrow and the email you've got to send and the work you've got to get involved. To the sleepwalkers, maybe today God by His Spirit will just ignite something again. Because that's what He does. That's how kind and gracious He is. 
And so the title of my message, if you're taking notes, it's the, the Infinite Life. My title is simply this, The Good Fight. Say good fight. The good fight. And uh, I want to read a scripture from 1 Timothy, and it's Paul's writing to him. And uh, basically, inherently, I want to ask this question. How do you and I cultivate an infinite faith in a finite reality? How do, we, how do we cultivate faith? Because faith is important for you and I. In fact, Peter says he calls it a precious faith. Do you know that faith is like the currency of heaven? Faith is believing what we cannot see. If you can see it, it's not faith. The, the Hebrews 11 writes a whole chapter around faith. Peter says it's so precious. You know why? Because when Jesus comes back, all glory and honor and praise will be given to our Father because of the faith we have. Everything else, in other words, is going to fade. But what's going to stand, it's precious, more beautiful than gold, refined by fire is our faith. And it's a gift from God. In other words, you can't even extinguish it because God put it in you. But we can't steward it. So how do we cultivate an infinite faith in a very finite reality in 2023? And so I want to read the scripture. Paul writes it to Timothy, and then I'm going to read from Ephesians 6. And it says this, fight the good fight of faith. I love that thought first and foremost. You're in a fight, but it's a good fight. How many of you know that you can get in a bad fight? You know, anyone been in a bad fight here before? Anyone been in a bad fight? You know, we can get in good fights, but they're also bad fights. And the problem is we waste a lot of energy on the wrong enemy. You know, like if Jack has a problem with Jill and Jack has a problem with Tom and Jack has a problem with Bronwyn and Jack has a problem with the government, guess who's the problem? Jack. And we're fighting the wrong fight. But Paul says, no, 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 there is a good fight. And the fight is around what? Is around your faith. If we're gonna fight for anything, let's fight for our faith. The good fight. The good fight of faith. And he says, take hold of the eternal life. Take hold of the infinite life. Take hold of it. Don't just talk about it. Take hold of it. I wonder if, I don't know, I just had this thought. I wonder if God is less concerned about what we're going to do for him and more concerned about what we're going to take from him. We're not used to that, aren't we? But geez, like take. It's available. The eternal life. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when, you're made, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. There's a connection between the confession we make and the land we possess. The confession we make and the life we live. The confession we believe and what we'll see in our behavior. We act because we act because of what we believe. God's saying, if you make a confession, I believe in my heart and speak it out of my mouth. I've got a confession. I'm taking hold of the infinite life. I'm gonna go to Ephesians 6. I'm gonna read out the message. And then I've got three observations on the back end. They're gonna try and help us answer the question, to how to cultivate an infinite faith in a finite world. Let's speak together. Let's read this together. Ephesians chapter 6. Um, it's right at the end of the chapter. And just to give you some context, uh, Ephesians uh, was written by Paul to the Ephesus church. Uh, in context, Ephesus was like a, a small uh, harbor that was, gave access to greater, greater Asia. And it was almost a gateway for the gospel. It was a church that Timothy pastored. It was a church where John, you know John, the, the, Jesus' closest disciple? It's where John lived with Mary, Jesus' mother, till his, his very old age. Ephesus was an amazing place. The church thrived there. But when Paul writes a letter, he writes to the Ephesus church to encourage them. He does it in two ways. Three chapters are all about what God's done. 
and three chapters about how he's called them to live. Three chapters are around doctrine, three chapters are around duty. And the same way he would write to us at Link Church as we start the year. Link Church, let's remind ourselves of what God has done, but then also remind ourselves of our duty. You know what, because we're gonna, we're gonna move, we're gonna move. I think the application Paul's saying is, listen, let's read the first three, but let's not stop there because there's application for your life. How do we cultivate an infinite faith in a finite world? Let's read together. And it said, verse 10, it says, and, about, and that about wraps it up. He's, or he's getting to the end of his letter and what he's about to say is important. Final words are important words. And he goes, God is strong and he wants you strong. God is strong and he wants you, say strong, strong. You know, when I looked at that, he didn't say happy or successful. I mean, he does, but the challenge is we, get the, we start with the wrong premise. He wants you strong first. I like how Peter said, be holy for God is holy. He didn't say be holy because you'll be happy. You see, if we pursue happiness, we'll get happiness, but never holiness. But if we pursue holiness, we'll get happiness wrapped in. Do you see that? God wants you to be strong. That word strong is from the inside out. You see, the premise is if we come to God and our belief system is that, no, God, I, I just, I want you to make me happy. Happiness is what happens to you. It's affecting your circumstance. And so what we do when we come to God and we know him like that, then we think that God's come to serve us. But that's not the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is God served us. He sent a ransom for us. He sent us his son. And so our immediate response is to God, how do we serve you? God came not just, just to make you happy. He came to make you holy. And holy is pure and steadfast and strong. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about getting strong on the inside where it counts. Which means it's less about trying and more about training. You know, I loved how Dill shared about uh, trends. You know, trends are, trends are in and out. Trends are in and out. Trends are in and out. But transformation is a strong word. What about technique? You know, you go to the, you just want the quick technique. Give me a technique on how to do this. Give me a quick t tip on how to do this. But God doesn't believe in techniques. He believes in training. In other words, my spiritual formation is going to take a while. But I'm going to trust him. I'm going to put things into practice. So this is what he says. He says, so take everything the master has set out for you well-made weapons of the best materials. God's got weapons for your fight. And put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. There's an infinite word. This isn't just, I'm gonna get through it this weekend, I hope for the best. No, God wants to equip you for your life. Forget in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. It says, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll be able to stand on your feet. You'll be on your feet. I love that thought, you know. I don't know about you, but is there anyone in this room that can thank God that even though you got through 2022 and there was a lot of shouting that you're still standing today? Is there anyone in this room who might have got a diagnosis and it didn't look good, but thank God you're standing here today? Is there anyone in this room that felt like they got let down and someone let them down, but thank be to God, because guess what? There might be a lot of shouting in your life, but I'm still standing. I'm still standing. I, I just, I was like Elton John, help us out here because Link Church at 10 o'clock, we just, I don't know, I, I'm still standing. 
I went through a trial, but I'm still standing. I went through a situation in relationships, but I'm still standing. Someone told me I didn't have what it takes, but I'm still standing. I'm standing. God kept you on your feet. The fact that you're breathing and living today is, is the very fact of God's grace. I expanded my family, but I'm still standing. I went through a serious uh, transition in my workplace, but I'm still standing. I'm in South Africa. I'm going to talk to the guys in the front here, but we're still standing. I'm, I'm, I'm living in Kwadakusa, but I'm still standing. Everyone thinks you're standing because you live in Cape Town. No, no, no. KZN, Belito, Baba. I'm still standing. Some of you here from Grautville, and you think that because you were born on that side of the tracks, it doesn't qualify you. Guess what? You're still standing. I come from Stang, and people wrote me off, but guess what? I'm still standing. Some of us need to remind ourselves, you know, we love to remind the devil, my man, you didn't have the final word, I'm still standing. We've been in this community for five generations, my family has, and we're farming, we're trying, we do whatever, but guess what? I'm still standing. And it wasn't because of anything we did, but because of what he did. He did. Listen, KZN, listen to me. You know, like South Africans like to do that. Hey, we've got resilience. Hey, we're strong. But you know what? You know what we've been through in the last while? Like looting, floods, now it's heat, then it's load shedding, then it's whatever, whatever, whatever. Hey, listen, listen, guys. Listen, yo, yo. But you know what? We're still standing. And we're not standing curved over. We're standing with our shoulders back because we have a God that moves mountains on our behalf. We have one. We have... We have one that moves mountains. We have one that does a measure more than we could ever dream or imagine. I don't, know, I don't know who's sleepwalking today, but God, open our hearts to see how big you are. Because when I see a big God, my problems shrink. I need a word. I'm still standing. Thanks for coming. <laughs> I'm still standing. I'm still standing. I didn't deserve it, but I'm still standing. I'm still my marriage went through a hard time, but I'm still standing. My, my children are left home, and I don't know how to do it, but I'm still standing. My, I wish they would come home and know God, but I'm still standing. I, I've got this diagnosis, and I don't know what to do, but I'm still standing. I'm still standing. Truth. Righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. This is what God gave us. This is why we stand. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's not Harry or Megan's truth. <laughs> Spare the thought. No, it's God's truth in me. God gets in in you. Give you a weapon that you don't even believe. God, we need your truth. It's not my righteousness. It's his righteousness. On the battleground, he's got a breastplate for me. Signed with his name. It's his righteousness. I got peace, 
not peace that makes my surroundings change, but peace in my heart that realizes I've been reconciled to God. I've got faith even when I'm fearful. I've got faith that was given as a gift to me that helps me to see where no other human being can see. I've got salvation. He came and rescued me when I least expected it. I didn't deserve it. And he came from heaven. And he sent his son. I'm still standing. And I think the apostle Paul would lean into the church and say, hey, learn how to apply them. You know how good God is? Before we needed protection, he already gave it to us. Before we needed weapons, they're already available. And Paul goes on to say, you'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. I wanna speak to you today you started the year and it's the infinite game. It's the infinite life and many other people are excited because they got their five goals and they're operating and hey, they're jumping. They leave home and they're whistling. You leave home and you're just hoping you can make it through the day. I notice what he says at the end. Those who've fallen behind and those who feel like they wanna drop out. Do you wanna feel like you wanna drop out? You feel like life's throwing some curveballs at you and you were hoping that a change of calendar would change your heart or your circumstance, but it hasn't. You're feeling rushed, unprepared, and you honestly feel like I want to drop out. God has a word for you. Here's another thing. To the sleepwalkers and the skeptics, it feels like you don't qualify, and I'm going to fall behind. If you feel like you're going to fall behind in early January, God has a word for you. And the first thing I see in this story, and I want to remind us of, because Paul made it very clear, and the first point I want to make on how to cultivate an infinite faith in a finite world is simply this. You're in a fight. You are in a fight. It's not a weekend war. It's going to go on for the rest of your life until we see Jesus one day. But you're in a fight. I want to ask a question today. Have you ever been in something but not aware of it? Anyone? You've been in something but not aware of it? I want to, I want to, I want to ask the salt rock people to put their hands up. If you live in some BT, put your hands up for a moment. Put your hands up, nice and high. Hey, no one's ever ashamed of living in salt rock. Put them up nice and high. There we go, let's salt rock guys. You know what, with these salt rock guys, they, they, are, they are living in salt rock, but not aware of load shedding. <laughs> Have no idea that we are in load shedding. Now, I wanna talk to the Belito people here. Where are the Belito people? Put your hands up, ah. I wanna talk to the Grateful people and the Stanga people and the Tongod people. Guess what? You are living in Belito, but you are fully aware of the load shedding. You are in it, but you are very aware of it. Am I right? Feels like you've got a fight, haven't I? You've got a fight on your hands. But you see, that's true in our lives. Isn't it true that we live in this world, but we're not aware of the fight we have? And so we spend a lot of energy fighting the wrong enemy. Huh? A lot of energy. That taxi behind you in the morning. That guy that told you that oh, we're getting level six, but now we're on level eight. You know, we're fighting, we're spending a lot of energy on the wrong enemy. 
but you're in a fight. Have you ever been in something but not aware of it? I remember once at school, we had, like, I was grade, grade nine, form three, standard nine, <laughs> seven, seven, thank you, seven. I'm confused. Anyway, so, uh, so anyway, so back, back, we had duties and responsibilities in the boarding establishment. The phone rang, the whole dorm. We had 20 of us. He had to run out. First guy answered the call. He answers it. First one to get there. Last guy, he has to go and find the guy. Basically, you don't want to be first or last. Just in the middle. <laughs> Keep it comfortable. So anyway, we all juxtaposition. As the phone rings, we'd run out. I'm in the middle, and a guy behind me, a big guy, he trips me from behind. Whoop. Hey, so I like get back like this, and I, and I sort of like, I'm in a fight now. <laughs> Trip me from out. I put him against the wall like this. I'm staring. I'm just locked in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm looking at his eyes. He's looking at me. You know that moment where you're like, oh, shucks, what am I going to do now? You've got in, but you're thinking, oh, no next step. <laughs> Yeah, you've gone too far now. Now it's like, hey, I'm trying to rock Johnson, but it's not working. You know, the smolder. You know, like, and I'm so busy looking. Anyway, we, we lock eyes for 10 seconds, and then guys pull us apart, and I walk away. As I take my second stride, I feel my ear throbbing. Boom, boom. Like a, it, was, it was so red, it was like an ambulance going off. And for a moment, I think, oh my gosh. He hit me, and I didn't even see it. And I thought to myself, that's the first lesson I learned. You can be in something, but never aware of it. And some of you have come through 2022, you've been in it. Oh, my shit, but someone hit you, and you don't even know it's been hit. And the reality is, a believer, if you're in a fight, be aware of the fight. Because it's real. You're in it. You're in it to win it. Because it's a good fight. Now, I want to talk to people, you're in it, you're aware, but you're apathetic. Oh, <laughs> you're apathetic. You know, we went on holiday, hey, December, hey, buy the food, pay for the place, let's get the boogie boards, buy the new flippers, go to the beach, and then we just do this to our banking app, like that. You know? WhatsApp is operating on your, on your phone, but banking app, nothing, because you're going to look at it in March. You know, you're aware, but you're apathetic. You're like, oh my gosh, I just hope it solves itself, you know? You know, like, if I, your, your, your belief system is if I look at it, if I don't look at it, it's going to go away. Hey? And some of us as Christians, we live this life, oh yeah, yeah, hey, fight, 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 but hey, ooh, you just turn the other way like that. I'm pretending it's not even happening. You can be aware, but apathetic. Last one, you can be in it, but you got the wrong weapons. You're fighting it with your confidence and your ability and your thing. And, and you know what it's like? Every man knows the story, uh, you know, DIY. There's always a tool for a task. Eh? Ask the men, yeah, you start drilling into your wall with the wrong drill. Frustration, baba. You know, and then, and then every guy believes this simple fact. There's a hammer, there's a job, and every job has a hammer, you know. And if it does, the hammer's not there, you use the screwdriver as a hammer. But you see, God says to you, listen, look at me for a moment. If we're in a good fight, the kindness and grace of God is that he's already given us a weapon to fight for. It's just that maybe we haven't accessed the right weapon. 
And maybe you're living your life and it's about what you can do and your struggle and your frustration because South Africa tries to breed those kind of people. But I wonder if it's less about trying to be resilient, but more about looking at the redemptive story of God. It's less about what I can sum up, but more about how I can surrender. It's less about what I got going on, more about what God already did for me and he's given me access to it. Do you want to take the weapons that are available for you? Give me the weapons, God. The first thing is to be aware you're in a fight. You're in a fight. The second thing I see in the story is you know what he does? He narrows it down for us. Isn't God kind? Because otherwise we'd be fighting everybody. You know? What if, I thought to myself, what if the enemy is not out there, the enemy's in here? What if the best project you have this year is to work on you? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> go and buy a mirror. <laughs> maybe when you go home, I'm going to buy a mirror. I'm just going to look at it. Ooh. But you don't want to look too long inside because, yes, not good. But, but, our, but our thinking, our misconception and our frustration is because we think the enemy is out there, but what if it's up here? And, and, and that's the problem. And the problem, and, and but yet God's got a system for us. He changes, he narrows it down. He says, no, your fight is not against flesh and blood. It's against the devil, prowls and principalities. In other words, he highlights your enemy. He shows you your enemy. And you see, the reason why I'm saying this to you, and it's not what you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear, you're in a fight, but you've got to focus the fight. And the reason you've got to focus your fight is you cannot defeat what you do not define. Because you're going to be walking around and you're going to end up down that track. It started with a drink here. It started with that relationship. It started, no, I could just do some certain things. But you end up down the line where you feel like regret and destroyed because you know why? You were distracted by the wrong enemy and you've been fighting something you could never fight on your own. What you need is some weapons from God. I can only defeat what I define. Uh, we, we've just been on holiday down at Imsakaba, down the Transcar. Anyone been there? Oh, you're missing out. And we've been there the last long time. Our kids have grown up basically going there 15 years or something. But we love it. Go to a place in Sakaba. It's beautiful. I've got a picture for you. I'm going to show you quickly. And uh, it's got this beautiful setting. And you can see out. Look, there it is. Look at that. Mm, Mauritius right here. And then, and then, and then we've got this cottage. And then there's a little island. That's a rock island out there. It's a... It's, uh, there was a shipwreck off there in 1450 and some of the cannons are in our cottage and the cottage is around there. It's actually, it's incredible, but there's a little, you can't get across the high tide, low tide, you go fishing, which I don't do much of. But anyway, there it is. And the view is beautiful. Look at those milkwood trees. It's amazing. It's like, there's no cell phone reception. Did I say that? Okay, let me say it again. There's no cell phone reception. It's amazing. But anyway, we're in a garden. We're in this beautiful garden. You know, it feels like a bit like your life. You're in the garden. You're in the Belito bubble. Lifestyle, Baba. You're in the garden, and you, and you think because you come to the garden, you've got no enemy. What, what, do you, what do you find when you come in a garden? Flowers. Yeah. What else? you got snakes. Thank you. First service didn't get it, but, but you got it. Thank you. Big garden, big snake. <laughs> but, you know, it's, like, it's a bit like the Garden of Eden when we first started. Everything else there, but we got snakes. And you know what? It was day two. And we had, you know, Transcar got an outside toilet, but it's not a, it's not a long drop. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> it's, it's a flashing loo. And anyway, so there's a well-worn path to the toilet because that's what we do. So you go out there to the toilet. And anyway, second day we hear a scream. Snake. One of the girls runs around and it's like, hey, just running like a snake. Like a, and my brother-in-law, he, he, he can define the enemy. You know, he knows the snakes. I don't. I just see a green snake. It's a mamba. <laughs> Any snakes are green. If it's, if it's green, I, I kill it. If it's brown, I kill it. I, I just, I don't, I don't care what it looks like, feels like. If it's tame, I don't know, pet snake, kill the snake. Anyway, so he looks at it 
And there's the snake. It's lying on the rafter in the toilet there like this. And he's just, you know what a snake does. I mean, he just lies there like it's. Okay. And, and, and he looks at it. He goes, no, no, no. He's got big eyes, green. He goes, no, it's not a wormstung. We thought wormstung. He says, no, this is a, garden, a green snake. It's harmless. And we're like, whoa, relief, you know. But, you know, it changed something over the next couple of days. Two things. One. Toilet sessions became very quick. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen guys go in and out like that, like never before. And also, the approach was different, you know? They would take a weapon with them, take a stick, like. <laughs> and then you would walk around, you'd just tap the door, like a cuckoo, just to let the snake know I'm here. And then you like shake around, and then, and then, and then from the shake there to what you had to do, at least 10 seconds. Quick, <laughs> done. Out, running back like it, with a, with a stake, the stick behind you like it, just to cover your trail in case he follows you. And the second, second, this is my, this is my point, second is that over a couple of days, constipation became a problem. <laughs> and it, I mean, it did, it really did. And, and because they were too scared to go there. And I know you're laughing now because it is funny. But the reality is, <laughs> there's nothing worse than a constipated faith. It's true. I was saying to you earlier, I said, like, if, there's, if, there's, if there's a new guy in the church, he hasn't been to church before, he's like, preach it, pastor. You know, there's nothing worse than constipated Christians. You know, this guy's like, hey, I know the Bible backwards, quote all the verses, but there's nothing about it. They get into Monday and they're running a different life. Tuesday, it's a different thing. Wednesday, it's a different thing. And the world looks and goes like, mm, I don't want some of that. They look similar to me. They party similar to me. They do everything similar to me. But where did holiness come from? Holiness comes when we know God. And the world is looking for holy people, not just happy people. The world is looking for fighters. I wanna, is there any? I want to ask you, do you want to fight a good fight? Do you want it to count for eternity? Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Share the love of Christ with people. Be the example in your workplace. Tell people about Jesus. Tell them your story because your story can change someone's life. We don't come to church say, it's lovely being here. Thank you. And we walk out and nothing happens. We do, it, God has come to change you from the inside out. Can I ask you what you're focusing on? And you know what the devil likes to do? He likes to, the way he constipates our faith is he comes and he just gets at your past. He goes, no, you can't do it. You don't have what it takes. A bit like that snake, it just hangs there. Just intimidates. Listen, the devil in Genesis, it says that the devil bruised Jesus' heel, but Jesus crushed his head. When did he bruise his heel on the cross? Jesus crushed his head. No more venom. No more poison. Do you notice what Paul said? You'll still be shouting, but you'll still be standing. You see, the devil, all he can do is shout, but he can't rip anything from you. He can't take your call from you. can't take your purpose from you. can't take your family. No, the devil cannot do it. He's the prince of the world, but he's got no power. And there's nothing worse. You know what the devil hates? Is a, person, is a Christian that knows they're in a good fight. You know what the devil hates? Is an undefendable Christian. You know, it's like, you know what? The gospel's bigger than my life. The gospel's bigger than my family. The gospel's bigger than my workplace because I walk with a repentant heart, open heart to heaven. God, fill me with your fire. Fill me with your spirit. That's the good fight.
That's the fight that will be one day when Jesus comes. All praise and honor and glory to Christ because your faith has been precious. Do I have some fighters here? What about this year if we fought the good fight of faith? Right now in this country, we're looking for fighters. People that believe a better future. People that get up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to do this. I love how George Mueller, he said this so well. He was a, he was a guy that uh, started an orphanage in the 19th, early 19th century. He raised billions and billions and billions of modern-day dollars to look after orphans. He led a church. But you know what his thing was? You know what he, you know what he revolved his life around? Faith. He would go to bed tonight and, and he would need another six beds. He'd say, God... I can't do it, you can, I'm going to trust you. Next morning, bam, 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 you got six beds. That's what, his testimony is unbelievable. But you know what George Mueller said? It is the responsibility of everyone who wants to fight the good fight of faith is to wake up in the morning and make yourself happy in God. Happy in God. My friends, when you get around God every day, you see, the devil might be hanging over the roof. When you get around God and you make yourself happy in God, you know why? Because faith activates the promises of God. Do you know in the Old Testament, they walked into the promised land, Old Testament. In the New Covenant, you and I, the promised land is not a location, although you think it Belito is. It's not. The promised land is when we activate in our hearts the promises of God by faith. You know how many promises there are on the Word of God? 3,000 promises. 3,000, which means it's bigger than you could ever imagine. I'm going to activate the promises of God. I want to close with this last thought. Just this last one. You know, Paul says three things. Now you're thinking to me, yeah, I've got an enemy. And often it's not out there, it's in here. And if I define it, I'll defeat it. But then how do we do it? You know, the last one is feed your faith. Feed. How does Paul use that language? How does he do it? He does three things. He says, keep your eyes open. Keep praying long and hard. Keep your hearts burning. Keep your eyes open. Why? Keep your eyes open to what you have, not what you don't have. Keep your eyes open to the faith you have, not the fear you might live in. Keep your eyes open to the promises of God, not the problems you have around you. Keep your eyes open to the good news of the gospel that Jesus died for you. Keep your eyes open to the truth, not Harry's truth, God's truth. Keep your eyes open to His righteousness, not your righteousness. Keep your eyes open to His peace, not my peace. Keep your eyes open to His salvation, not my salvation. Keep your eyes open. Sleepwalker, keep your eyes open. Because God is moving around you and showing Himself like you've never dreamt possible. He's always there with you. He's on your side. He'll journey with you. Keep your eyes open. It's not what I don't have. It's what I do have. I got a little bit of faith. Well, mountain, you better be moved. I got a little bit of hope. Well, I want to tell you, you can change it by where you pray. Keep praying long and hard. And if I had to mention this, I'm a bit over time. But keep long and hard. You know, it's not about duration. It's about desire. Na, 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 Okay. Desire. We think prayer is like, and when he says long and hard, most men dial out. You know, it's like a good friend of mine says, heaven's going to be one to three, ladies to men. Because when you picture prayer, you bring the lady, the mum just praying in the home, please, Lord, save my husband, change everything. No, no, no. He's not talking about praying duration. He's talking about desire. Do you have a hunger for God? Pray with desire. 
There's a desire. God says, David in Psalm 63 says, God, I'm hungry for you in a desert land. For your love is greater than life. Your hesed love. The Hebrew word is hesed. Your loving kindness is greater than life. You know, David, David, you know, what are the three things the world hankers after? Sex, money, and power. David had lots of sex. But his loving kindness, he says, is greater than that. David had all the power in the world. He's the king. He could do what he wants. But he says, your loving kindness is greater than man's power. What about influence? It's greater than that. Your loving kindness is the thing I want to run after. Your loving kindness is what I want to live in. I, I love, you know, desire is something that Jesus had. It was desire that he, he put him on the cross. It was desire that kept him in the garden of Gethsemane. It was desire that he went through Samaria to meet the woman of the well. It was desire that he took a whip and cast the people out of the temple because he knew that there was a place where pure hearts would be. It was a picture of his relationship with God. But what about our Father in heaven? He has desire too. It was wired into us. I think sometimes we think the prodigal son story is like John Cleese having a cup of tea. Welcome back, prodigal. Let's talk about your rebellion. That's not my father. My father picks up his robes and runs for the prodigal son, puts his arm around him, puts a ring on his finger, clothes him in righteousness and says, you're my son. Come share my inheritance. Do you see the desire of the father? He comes running for you. Paul says, if there's one thing you're going to feed your faith, feed your faith about what God's done for you. Feed your faith about a loving father that opened his arms for you. Feed your faith, because guess what? There might be shouting, but in the end, you and I are going to be standing. Standing in his glory. Standing in his grace. Standing in his love. Standing. There might be shouting, but this year I'm going to be standing in great faith. In a good faith. In a good fight. We've got a fight, Link Church. We're going to fight Link Church this year. We're going to fight for human, for hearts. We're going to fight for salvation. We're going to fight because God's on our side. And if He's for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? Just stand.